0: Welcome to The Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. This show is brought to you by Red Rabbit Insurance. As a real estate investor, I love working with companies and people who truly understand investing. If you're a real estate investor, I highly suggest talking to Ryan at Red Rabbit Insurance. Red Rabbit specializes in working with investors of all sizes, both for their personal residence, auto and investment properties. Red Rabbit recently saved one of our investors $5,000 a year by switching to the exact same coverage. That's a down payment on a new rental. I personally saved 15% by switching to Red Rabbit which is pretty significant and red rabbit insurance makes it super easy to get a quote all you need is the address your full name and your date of birth no annoying questionnaires to fill out and red rabbit gets you a quote in less than a day email ryan at red or go to the website red or call 1-800-560-3015 that's red call today to save some money and get better insurance rates for your investments all right guys, welcome to another edition of the Real Estate Hackers podcast. This is a unique one in the midst of coronavirus 2020. We are coming to you live across a Zoom call myself, Chad Gallagher, the host of Real Estate Hackers podcast and Nate Jones, the other co-founder and owner of Slate House Property Management. Going to be talking some coronavirus, how to deal with it from a landlording perspective. I'm pumped. Nate, thanks for joining the uh, podcast here today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been uh, been a while since you had me on uh, on the show.
0: Yeah, I think we had you on here maybe nine months ago talking about some of the things we were doing on kind of rehabbing a co-working space. So uh, decided now's as good as any to bring you back.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm locked up here at my house with not a whole lot else going on. So I'm sure you figured this would be a good time to get me.
0: Yeah. So uh, let's just set the stage here. Look, I don't. We don't really need to talk too much about coronavirus, but I guess as it partakes to what we're doing. So this is April sixteenth. We're, we're taping this. You know, just past what what is hopefully the peak of the overall kind of healthcare crisis, but obviously a lot more to go in terms of crisis moving forward. What I want to do is kind of talk through how we've been handling this as a property management company, all the different things that come up. So, Nate, why don't we start with kind of our tenant communication philosophy through this whole problem and and kind of where we're going with that?
1: Well, I think maybe the first thing I'd say is when this first started coming to light that this was going to be a problem back in, I don't know, February, my first take was, well, this isn't going to affect the property management industry or the real estate industry that much because tenants uh, still have to pay their rent and we can still operate. But then as things uh, progressed, uh, pretty obvious that it affects every industry. So your question about how uh, we deal with the communication, right? So we we did realize that this is going to greatly affect uh rent collection so what we we thought was one thing that we can definitely control is is the communication end of it with our tenants and uh this was a great time for us and our property managers to reach out to the tenants as a lot and and provide that empathy and and show show the tenants that we're there to hear and hear what they're going through and and help in any way that we can, but that was our, our, main, our main strategy was to open up the lines of communication and get the rent coming in that way.
0: Yeah, and I think, uh, I think one thing that we believe strongly about is we, we kind of sent out one initial conversation starter that was company-wide, but since then everything's been one-to-one where it's a property manager going directly to a tenant, which if you're a landlord and you have your own tenants, we just thought it was really important that be a one-on-one, it allows you to have a much better feel for what's going on, to be more empathetic, to, uh, as opposed to just mass emails saying, pay your rent. It just didn't feel very appropriate.
1: Right. So, I mean, what, what we wanted was, ultimately, we want our tenants to pay the rent, right? I think that's, that's obvious, but definitely doesn't look good. It's not a good look or very productive just to do the mass email and say, hey guys, rent's still due on the first, pay or you're getting evicted. So we, we definitely did not want to go with that approach because we didn't think it would work well. But also, I mean, that's not who we are or what we're about.
0: Obviously, you know, some tenants aren't going to pay rent. And you want to maybe talk through a little bit how we kind of enacted the like payment plans for for tenants? So we also were trying to, you
1: know, leading into, you know, in March, we were really concerned and we had a lot of questions as to how were tenants gonna pay rent or weren't they gonna pay rent? I mean, we, we just didn't really know what to what to expect. Uh, so we started like thinking through it logically and uh, you know first you know we're hearing a lot of people are getting laid off uh, we're thinking oh, this isn't good but then, then we started to try to think through what different situations our different tenants would be in. That helped us be able to relate a little better to them and and know how to help them. What it seemed like was most of our tenants were in some way going to be getting some sort of stimulus money from the government, whether that was in the form of unemployment, a stimulus check, uh, workers' comp, or they just kept their job. But either way, there was going to be money coming in. But what we had to think through is the timing of that because some people got laid off and then everyone's flooding the unemployment offices. So some people aren't getting their money right away. Also that stimulus money, that's not, that wasn't immediate. It actually just started hitting people's bank accounts a couple of days ago and then we're also fighting with we don't have the teeth of locking tenants out and filing an eviction like we normally had to kind of hold over them to force them to pay so what we did was our our main strategy along with the communication in tandem with communicating was trying to get our tenants on a payment plan uh, which is something we we do in the in the uh, you know, previously but we really uh focused on on the payment plan concept this time around. And what we were looking with the payment plan was was kind of, with payment plans, it, it wasn't one size fits all. We would love to be able to do that and say, here's our company-wide payment plan. But the more we thought about it, you, you kind of had to customize it for each tenant and what their situation was. Uh, what, we, what we tried to do was uh, have a weekly payment plan, uh, some amount that they could afford for them. So every Friday, they're going to pay you know, whether it's 200 bucks or 500 bucks, whatever worked for them. And uh, that's, that's different for everyone. And then couple that with the, with the idea that most of our tenants are going to be getting stimulus money at some point in the month of April. So hopefully they were able to pay once a week a certain amount. And then in addition to that, a one-time payment when their stimulus money came. And of course, they're not going to be able to pay, though. I mean, we're not expecting them to put the whole stimulus check towards their back rent. Uh, whatever they're comfortable with
0: it's interesting, like I think the the idea of a payment plan it's just like adding structure to people's lives just seems to help, right and so even if there's no threat of any eviction immediately it's just it seems like people adopt well to each week you pay a certain amount, it kind of keeps you on track, and we've seen that people just respond a lot better to that than kind of being on their free will to pay whatever they want whenever they want to.
1: Right. Right. And I think uh, setting up a payment plan in the past, what we've done is we wait till someone gets behind and owes a lot of rent. And then we reach out to them and say, hey, can we set up a payment plan? And this time or, or this month, what we did was we actually reached out to them proactively and to all of our tenants and said, hey, how are things going? And the tenants that came back to us and said, hey, I expect to have a problem in the month of April. I just got laid off. And then we reached out to them before the April rent was even due and started talking through a pay- payment plan at that point, which I think that kind of sets the wheels in motion uh, for them to kind of think through like, OK, here's where my money's going in the next four weeks. And I have it you know, earmarked for rent rather than them just sitting back going, oh, man, there's no way I can pay this rent. Uh, I don't know what to do. And then we talk to them, you know, say you wait till the middle of April to set up a payment plan. Now their money's already been earmarked somewhere else or or sent somewhere else. The payment plan approach has been going really well. And I think a lot of things that we've been doing this month, we're going to have to, When this is all said and done, we we may incorporate that in our typical uh, monthly routine. We just kind of have to see how it all plays out.
0: Yeah, it it probably goes without saying, but I think one thing we've also done that we we really like is recording – each payment plan in a spreadsheet so that basically when our prime manager goes back to that tenant to say, Hey, I'm just checking in here on on how things are going. They've got all the info right there. These things start to all run together. You know, who, whose plan is how much and when are they paying and everything.
1: Yeah. That's, that's one of the keys there to a successful payment plan is follow up and making sure that the tenant is, you know, living up to their end of the bargain. Yeah. And in the past, you know, it's, it's just really tough to keep track of that when everyone has different plans coming on different days. Uh, so, yeah, to, to what Chad was saying, we, we got really organized around it. We put some of our office staff, uh, we kind of shifted some of their daily roles and, and they're checking that and helping out. So, so we definitely diverted a bunch of manpower towards uh, these payment plans
0: this month. What are results looking like so far? Do you know how? Uh,
1: yeah, how so doing? I've been uh, monitoring this every day, really uh, obsessively, almost. <laughs> uh, so each day, as as the, the month goes by, I'm pulling numbers to see how much rent was collected, and then comparing it with uh, the pre the average of the previous three months. And it's, uh, I mean, it's it's almost hard to believe, but we, you know, through the first 16 days of the month. Every day when I pull the numbers, we're within five percent of what we would have expected to collect. And actually now we're right now we're within like one percent of what would be expected to be collected through the first sixteen days. And that's about eight we're at about eighty-five percent of total rent collected compared to what we normally get. So we still have fifteen percent more to go. And we're hopeful, our goal actually is to collect more than what we typically collect, a higher percentage, because our tenants are not getting that stimulus money. And we're hoping that some of our tenants that had past debts will, will use that money to get caught up.
0: Yeah, it's such a big number. I mean, 85% of collected rent sitting here on essentially halfway through the month. You know, anyone who's kind of in the space, that's that's actually uh, about normal. That's about what you'd expect, Uh, It's just it's so interesting to see how April rent collection looks just like any other month, uh, which, you know, in so many industries, nothing looks normal. Uh, You know, most balance sheets look totally different right now in most companies. Um, But for most of our owners, actually, it looks pretty similar. And, you know, look, I think we'll have to continue to monitor this. Obviously, we're not through the, the crisis in May is, you know, May rent will be due before you know it. So uh, we, there's still a lot of work to be had, but but to say it, yeah. to be at 85% is kind of amazing, almost. Really. Yeah, it's
1: uh, with how much we're communicating with tenants uh, more than normal. Even we, we're hearing a lot of a lot from them, and one of the thing that one thing that has been a common theme has been the concern for May and paying May rent, uh, which wasn't super intuitive for us. I mean, we thought the the crisis, the the, the tough month would have been April. Um, but now as April's playing out, you know, we've been hearing like, you know, in April, they got their last paycheck. So they were able to pay the rent or um, they had some money saved up that they could pay April. But now they're out. Their savings is gone. Or now their their job is their, they got their last paycheck and unemployment still hasn't come. So we'll see. Uh, I think uh, this is like this is far from over. And uh, we'll just have to kind of take it month by month and reevaluate each month and, and see where we are.
0: Okay, cool. Let's let's switch gears to um, one topic that um, a few people have asked, kind of like how we're handling, I thought it'd be interesting to talk through, is what do you do if a tenant at an apartment complex gets the coronavirus? You know, some people ask, like, should we send out a, a uh, you know, kind of a notice to all tenants and whether that's an apartment complex or just a, a, a three-unit building, what do you do? You know, maybe you can chime in here too, but unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, you got to be really really careful about kind of communicating stuff like that with just lots of different protections for people about releasing health care information
1: so as far as we know we've had you know over 4000 tenants well 4000 units so it's probably more like 10000 tenants I only know of one tenant that has tested positive so far. There could be more. I mean, it's not necessarily something that a tenant's going to come tell us about, especially if they're in a single-family home. But the one tenant that we did find out about was in a multi-unit building. And we had to kind of talk through what what we should do, what we're allowed to do. And uh, kind of where we netted out was that it is not okay to release someone's medical information to other tenants. But with that said, you know, we, we know what's going on there. So we, we want to make sure that we get out there and sanitize and clean and make the building as safe as possible and, you know, put signs up, encouraging social distancing and things like that. But uh, our approach was not to go around to the everyone in the building and say, hey, you know, apartment 123 has the coronavirus in it. I think kind of the... Everyone, regardless of where you are right now, should assume that the person living next to them has the coronavirus and should right. be acting in, in a safe manner anyways. So I, I'm not sure how it would actually change your behavior if you knew someone you know, a couple of doors down had it.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, but I think that's the right approach is uh, you just got to be careful. You, you can't go disclosing, unfortunately, that cindy smith in unit 201 as the coronavirus because it's just not allowed <laughs> to do that well, the same way. you wouldn't like, do that if she had know. cancer right so yeah i mean yeah the question is do you uh, i mean i think it was
1: probably pretty clear that that, that is not something we should do what, what i was thinking through is should you make an announcement to the building that someone in the building has it uh without singling out an individual but then i thought you know that you know then that person could still make an argument that we were singling her out. And, and does that even cause more harm than good than everyone in the apartments thinking who has it? Yeah. So, so right. we, so we thought the best approach was not to actually announce it to the tenants, but rather just kind of increase the safety precautions at that building. Okay.
0: Uh, do you want to switch gears and talk about kind of uh home repair and the maintenance division? Uh, obviously, Something that's always tricky, even trickier in this climate. Yeah, the maintenance. Oh, it's uh, it's trickier. We have you know about
1: a forty man crew of maintenance guys that handle you know twenty thousand work orders a year. You know, the first decision we had to make is: are, are these guys even allowed to work? You know, are they considered essential personnel? talking through with a bunch of different people, it became clear that they are considered essential personnel because they are responsible for making sure that, you know, these 10,000 tenants have, have a place to live and, and can be safe in, in their, where they live. But uh, even though we were allowed to work, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easy to work because we had to uh, work through the the complications of our own employees being scared who go in apartments. We had employees who had, now they had children who were home from school, so they couldn't go work. Uh, we had tenants who, the tenants didn't want our maintenance guys in. So there was a lot of things that, that we were working through. And then you know we, we wanted to make sure our, we were being safe with our employees, getting them masks and protective uh, equipment. But as you guys all know, this you can't just go to the store and buy this stuff anymore. Uh, I mean, we had some guys who were frustrated, you know, why didn't we have all this stuff in stock, at our, you know, in case this happened. And it's like, well, you know, in hindsight, sure. But you know, we, we didn't think we needed to have thousands of masks uh, because we just, you know, it's hard to expect this. So, so yeah, we've been, we've been working through it overall maintenance is down. The number of work orders that we've been processing has been down about 50% because inspectors aren't, because of all the reasons I talked about, but also inspectors aren't doing inspections anymore since we're not having evictions, we're not having as many turnovers, but all in all, our maintenance guys, the vast majority of them are really stepping up and are still able to go out and, and do that emergency uh, essential kind of work when the plumbing's not working or the heat's off, things that our tenants really do need to live day in and day out, especially now, because sometimes if you know the heat went out, you could put them in a hotel. Well, right now, the tenants really don't want to go to a hotel because of the coronavirus. So it becomes even more important that they're able to feel safe in their own home.
0: Totally. You mentioned vacant, getting vacant units rented. You know, one thing I've taken away from this whole experience, and this this probably is goes without saying, but it's interesting. It, it seems like in general, the more technology based the company, the better they've done in this environment. Yeah. That that sure is playing out in retail, right? Where Amazon's uh, doesn't seem to be harmed nearly as much as uh, the kind of brick and mortar retailers. That's played out in a lot of different spaces but i also think it plays out in, in in real estate because you know for us we've still been able to actually get units rented without anyone having to see another person
1: yeah what well, we were one of the things that we did uh, i mean in hindsight we would have done some things differently but one of the one thing that we did that i think really was a was a good thing is we made all of our property managers go out and make sure there were keys in a lockbox at all of our vacant properties and then also take a video of all of our properties, a walkthrough video where they narrated the whole place. And that's allowed us to Still do showings virtually um, and, and some of our depending on the region where it is some of our places. We're still doing uh, vir- not not actually virtual but uh, Where the the tenant comes out and can walk through it themselves But even in a case where the tenant isn't allowed to or doesn't feel comfortable they can now see a tour of this place from the from their home and We can sign a lease online and get them in there. And we don't even have to have the project manager go out because we already have keys there in a the lockbox. It's definitely unconventional, uh, not something we normally want to do because we do like to walk through with the tenant at move in and explain where the breaker box is and how to turn the water on and, and do all the things that we normally do. We, but you know, in, in this kind of environment, we just have to be flexible. So we have been able to continue in a different way, but we've been able to c- continue leasing. And to Chad's point, we, we do embrace technology, so we, we have the ability to, to do that. Um, in the past, I'd say 10 to 20% of our showings were done through electronic lockboxes without an actual person with them. And we've just now shifted that to 100% that are either done without the agent or not at all. You know, they're being done um, virtually through a video. Uh, and then talking through some of the numbers, this is kind of a really interesting thing for me. Is uh, we can track how many tenants are calling in and clicking on online that are interested in our uh, apartments. And what we saw right away, I mean, it just dropped off the table there. The the, the interest in inquiries in our in our vacancies down. 80%. I mean, a, sh- a huge number. And we thought this was not good for our business, right? You know, our leasing revenue was going to be way down. We weren't going to be able to fill the vacancies. Owners were going to be frustrated. But here's kind of the, the cool thing or, or the, the surprising part. Even though our inbound inquiries was, were down 80%, the number of applications received were still were flat. So we, we received the same number of applications that we would expect to receive which I guess that tells you that the window shoppers, the people that weren't really serious, those are the people that stopped looking for apartments and clicking and surfing online. But the people that really needed to move, they're still putting in applications and still able to move. I guess the next part to, to see through this process is, do those people that put in applications, that sign leases, do they actually move here when they're supposed to? Like A lot of them have more, uh, May 1st move-ins. Will they actually move in? Well, I guess time time will tell.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a staggering staggering stat that basically the the number of applications is is almost flat through this. I, you know, I can't imagine on the buy side of real estate, and we do have a realty brokerage. I mean, the, there's no way our buy side transactions are flat; those are way down. So it's interesting. People are they're they're not interested necessarily in buying for lots of reasons. Hard to get financing hard or impossible to get an appraisal, but it's interesting. Moving and signing a lease uh, is still something that's happening. Just a lot less shopping around to take tours. And maybe they're just watching more videos online right. um, instead. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's fascinating that the, a- the application volume is still very, uh, very close to what it used to be. Yeah,
1: um, and, the, and the sample size there, I mean, we have a pretty good sample size to look at that. I mean, we, we get about 120 applications a week so it's it's not like I'm saying we get two and it's still two. It's it's right. uh, it's a good sample size.
0: One thing I I found interesting is uh, accepting rent in person is something that we've always kind of said it's not that important, but we usually do give the option in most of our areas to take rent into the office. And now at this point we've we've entirely moved away from that for lots of reasons. Uh, most of our offices are completely closed, and uh, it's interesting. People still figure out a way to pay online or uh, pay through the mail. I think you were telling me a stat about our online payment percentage actually increasing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Our Ideally for us, 100% of tenants would pay online. Uh, it just is less likely that something gets lost or human error when we're entering a check in, in our system. So for, for a lot of reasons, paying online is, just, is preferable. Uh, but we always get a lot of pushback tenants say, I have, you know, I don't trust the mail or I don't have a bank account or whatever the reason is, they they will still want to pay in the office. And then we get a lot of our clients, owners that we work with that say, you have to let them pay in the office. I don't want to make it hard for them to pay rent. So we, in general, allow that to happen at most of our offices. But to Chad's point about the the online payments, we have. I mean, it's because of the scale we have. It's pretty predictable how many tenants are going to pay online in a given month. And for the last twelve months, it's been between sixty-seven and sixty-eight percent pay online. So call it sixty-seven percent. Sixty-seven percent this month so far. We are at seventy-six percent. Um, so it's up, you know, like eight percent. And I would assume the that number probably will only increase as the month goes on are people that pay with uh,
0: checks uh, seem to pay normally like right in the beginning of the month and mail it in less. yeah it's just such a big number I mean uh, three quarters of rent collection online and you know uh, as you think about how this changes society forever right you think if if you paid rent online here in April 2020 right that that eight to ten percent they're now paying online. You find it hard to believe they don't pay online in September, right? Like, I mean, once right. you've figured it out and you've got things set up and you're, you've learned the system and you've hooked your account up, you'd think that's, that's probably how people are always going to pay. And so, I've interested to see if, if, we, if we see that number at, you know, and maybe it even increases more as the month goes on and it never kind of comes down. Uh, which I, and I think lots of industries are probably going to see data points. Like right, that. right. And yeah, that's what's I think uh, human behavior is going to change a lot here uh, because they were forced
1: to change, and you know, being forced now, they, they some people are going to find this is there some some good things about the, the changes. Back to the maintenance, uh, there has been a lot less incoming maintenance requests, probably because uh, owner because tenants don't want people in their house. But it's interesting, it, sh- it should help our clients, our owners. I mean, their maintenance costs should be down over this time period. Going into it, they would say, well, so will our rent collection. But it hasn't proven to be that. So it's kind of interesting. I think uh, over this, at least for the first you know, 30 days of this, I think at least our clients are going to see better returns than what they have previously seen. Now we'll see how long this this drags on, and and how long we're working through this crisis. That may change in in the future months.
0: Yeah, and also I I have some minor concerns that uh, at some point when things open up, there will both be a lot of maintenance requests and also a lot yeah. of turns uh, as as you have a lot of people moving in the summer. So you could have right, so you're just pushing the costs back to a, a month in in the future. Right? right. Right. Yeah. So you may see this. Actually, in, in some ways, you may see April be, be actually one of the best months of performance and then potentially a kind of a downward slope through the next three to four months before or three to six months, however long it takes to kind of recover from this before it gets better. Um, the last thing I want to talk about was just on the rent collection piece. It's interesting to me that in general, and these are these are broad strokes, but where we're seeing good rent collection is on A and B properties and in some places actually better than what we saw in previous months. And then what we're seeing is kind of in that like well I almost would call like C minus type unit or D plus and, and in particular places that weren't stabilized yet. Maybe an owner just bought the property 3 months ago and was still working through some evictions. That's where we're finding the biggest harm and it makes a lot of sense. Someone's working through evictions and that basically put a halt to the plan and you know, if you've got a tenant who was Two weeks out from being locked out, it's just hard to convince that person to get on a payment plan.
1: While you know we're saying as a whole as a company we've we're collecting the same amount of rent, I think there's definitely you know some subsections and and certain groups where they're not performing as as normal. Uh, we have a, a portfolio of properties that that we actually own, um, and, and we're looking at those numbers. And for whatever reason, that that particular group of properties is is down about you know, 25% right now, month over month in rent collection. Um, and we're, you know, we're, we're learning as we go. We, we're not 100% sure why that is. Um, my, my thinking is, I think that group of tenants is, is uh, we, they're not on uh, government assistance. And they also, I think, probably have the type of job that's the most likely to be affected first, the kind of jobs that work on, you know, tips, or the kind of jobs that might be the first to go when companies are laying laying people off. I'm hopeful that those are going to represent a lot of people that are filing for unemployment. And there was, you know, there's a lag right now on getting those unemployment checks. So we're hopeful that 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 those properties will show some some better rent collection here in the back half of the month. Yeah, but you know, time will tell.
0: Cool. All right. Well, uh, right in the middle of the pandemic thanks for joining Nate. We'll have to do this again on the on the back side
1: of this and, and see how it all how it all played out and and hopefully we have a positive story to tell.
0: Yeah, but I think you know the I would say midway through April, the world's not ending. you know it's funny. we had some owners who called us late March and said, do not pay a single bill uh you know with fear in their voice like I think they literally thought like you know they're fifty unit apartment complex, and nobody's going to pay rent. And actually, rent collection looks pretty normal is, is kind of the crazy thing. Right. So. Yeah,
1: even though tenants aren't forced to because they're not going to be evicted, I think by and large, most tenants, I mean, they want a place to live. They don't want to eventually be evicted. I think right. in general, people want to do the right thing and have a place with their family to live.
0: All right, man. Well, cool. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining. And
1: uh, we've yeah, basically been
0: taking the, uh, taking the podcast 100% into – Tackling pot, you know pandemic type topics here for at least the next two or three months before we kind of get back to our regularly scheduled programming. So each week, be on the lookout for another guest talking about how they're dealing with this through an investment perspective or uh, landlording perspective. So, yeah, we'll talk again soon. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. I have one more request. If you like this show, could you just please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd really, really appreciate it so more investors can hear about us. Follow us at Real Estate Hackers on Instagram if you're cool like my wife. And if you have a great real estate hack, hit me up. Maybe we'll get you on this show. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production. Eric and team are unbelievable. Thanks for all you do for the show. See you soon.